God, we're so grateful and humbled. We're so thankful to be part of your family. We're so thankful to be blessed with freedom. Today, God, we just want to present our our thanks thanksgiving to you. We want to present our hearts of gratitude to you. God, we want to present our requests before you, but we want to do it with the right attitude and right heart, God, that says that we want to rejoice in the Lord always. And God, we want, to, we want to honor you through not only our worship, but also through our time in the Word today. God, we just pray that you would be honored by all that is said and done here in this place. And we just give you thanks, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start by just appreciating you all. I want to tell you about something that happened last night, and if you weren't here, I want to give you a window into what happened. In this room, we had tables set up all throughout the room, and we had a group called Karma that had a Thanksgiving dinner together with us, and Karma is a group of Iranian Americans who have come to America legally to find a better life and to be contributors But too often, because of their government uh, or the tension between governments, they have often faced hardship in their country and also in our country here. Uh, The man who owns the building here, Muhammad, saw a need to begin this nonprofit group. And they meet here at Axis on one Saturday night a month for just simply uh, uh, music, uh, cultural music, Persian music, as well as uh, poetry, and then just fellowship together. Their goal is that they would help uh, students who come to America, that they would help them to acclimate into this culture, and that they would be contributors here, that they would uh, learn to be um, uh, people that have bridged the gap here between America and Persian culture, and they are doing a great job with that. Uh, there is a misconception that uh, all Iranians are Muslim, and that's not true. There are Muslims and there are Christians and there are those who are agnostic. Most have some type of faith in God, but, uh, a, the, but many of them don't uh, know if God is knowable. And so they invited us last night. They said we would want to do a dinner together with Axis Church. And as we were planning that together over the last um, several weeks, the, the spirit of unity within the two teams was, just, was great and was very much reflected last night. In what happened as we broke people up according to tables and we had everybody mixed together and it was really the true spirit of thanksgiving really the spirit of what was happening in our country in its early days farzine um one of the uh, my fellow mc on stage expressed reasons why iranians love america and in particular the freedoms that we have the freedom uh, of religion the freedom of speech and Jonathan, my brother, got up and talked about generosity and that happiness comes not from wealth or beauty, but from the value of being appreciative and generous. And there was just this great spirit of togetherness last night. And then I had the opportunity to talk about the heart of Axis Church. I, I got a chance to talk about you and who we are as a church. And I said, we're called to follow two great commandments, the greatest commandments, the ones that can be summarized, the rest of the commandments can be summarized into these two love God, and love people. And we as a church have always been about leading with love. 
how do we love people? And we talked about several of the things that we do here to just build bridges with people, serve the community and love people. I, I said, we just want people to know what we're for. We want to we be good news, which is the, another word for the gospel. We want to be good news for our community. And then I said, and we love God. Um, and it was very a very interesting and poignant thing, I guess, to be able to, to, to tell this group of individuals. And karma is not faith-based at all. In fact, that's not part of their charter. And, and, uh, and so we wanted to walk through that with a lot of sensitivity and respect. But they gave us that respect. And I was able to talk about how we love God by... One of the ways we express it is through worship and singing, and one of the ways we do it is through reading the scripture and through praying. Uh, they were able to play a couple of songs that were, uh, actually three, ended up that were Persian-type songs, and it was great. And they had introduced themselves and, and, uh, and said, most of them were doctors, by the way, cardiologists. And um, when our band got up, I turned around and said, uh, how many of you guys are doctors? And um, none of them. So we did our best, and... Um, but I love the fact that we began to just sing the song, the song we did today, Counting Every Blessing. And then Emily Estacio sang the song, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He is so good to me. And I'm telling you guys, I mean, I was emotional not only during the event, but at home in the evening and this morning when I woke up and during first service today as well. I just couldn't get over the fact that here we are together in this room. And we are singing, God is so good. And I'm looking around the room, watching people all together singing, God is so good. God is so good to me. And we call these thin moments when the space between heaven and earth is just so thin, you can reach up and touch the hand of God. That was one of those moments for me last night. And we were supporting together the greater project who Access Church partners with as well and Kala Coffee House partners with. They help at-risk kids. And Lisa Fields, the founder of Greater Project, came to me after the event and gave me a hug and just tearfully said, Stephen, thank you so much for letting me be part of this night. Even if Greater Project wasn't part of it and we weren't supported, I just want you to know, thank you so much for just inviting me here and having me here tonight. She said, I just am so happy I was able to witness this. She said, this is so unusual. I cannot think of another church that would do this. So I just want to appreciate you. I'm so proud of you, and I am so grateful for your heart and so thankful that you embrace the calling to lead with love. And I'm so full uh, today with that experience. In 1 Thessalonians, I reflect the words of Paul here where he says about the believers in Thessalonica, we always thank God for all of you, continually mentioning you in our prayers. We remember before God and our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. And I resonate with the words in the heart of Paul which say, I always thank God for all of you. And so I'm thankful for you as a church and for the great impact that we have. And I love the fact that last night was just simply a, such a natural expression of who we are because it's been part of our culture for a long time that we would build relational bridges and we would be good news to our community. And today, I want to talk to you about not only what's happened in the past, but what will happen in the future. That we can continue to make more impact. All this month, we've been talking about generosity. 
And week one, we talked about how God owns it all and just allows us to manage his resources. We give back to him as a sign of our love and act of obedience and trust. And here's what we've learned. God is a giver. You cannot outgive God. And the principle is the more you invest, the more you are blessed. Week two, just last week, we talked about sacrifice, and we looked at the story of the widow who gave two small coins, but for her, it was total sacrifice because it was everything that she had. That's how devoted to God she was. And then we talked about Mary's beautiful gift as she broke open an expensive jar of perfume, and in an act of worship and adoration, poured out the entire contents onto the feet of Jesus. It was an extravagant gift worth a year's wages, and God was honored by it because she meant it to be an act of worship and adoration. And so what's going to happen this week is you're going to receive a card in the mail, a commitment card. And over the next two Sundays, we're going to be bringing those cards back uh, at worship time. And it will be your financial commitment to the Lord and the ministry of access over the next 12 months. Months. And here's the ask. The ask is that all of us together would take one step, one more step to sacrifice that we would take one more step closer to the kind of the sacrifice that we see in the life of Mary and we see in the life of the widow. So today I want to talk to you about more impact, more impact. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which talks about what happened when believers in Jesus uh, were willing to trust God more. The first thing is generous giving has a proportionate impact on the giver. Verse 6 of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And there's that principle again in that passage. The more you invest, the more you're blessed. The more generously you give, the more you're able to make a greater impact with your one and only life. Paul one time said, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. He Everything that he talked about, the good things, the hard things, the difficult things, Paul preached on all of that, and I know that there are some times where churches avoid the topics like generosity or giving, but they shouldn't. Brian Sleuth one time said there are 2,350 passages in the Bible dealing with money and material possessions more than any other subject, but it's the least talked about subject in the church, and I think that's probably because people are a little concerned. They, they feel like, well, that's what the church always talks about. But you know we don't always talk about that. But if it's part of the Scripture, a large part of the Scripture, then we're not only obligated to talk about it, but we miss a big principle here. We miss the biggest principle, and that is that the reason the Bible talks so much about money and generosity is because God knows that so many of us trust more in our own resources and ability than we do oftentimes in just releasing and trusting God's best for our life. Everything is God's. Remember that. And trust that God knows best. So this entire series has been not about God doesn't want you to, he doesn't want something from you, he wants something for you. God doesn't need our money, but he does want our heart. Listen to what he'll do, how he responds when we give. Verse 10 says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that by that you could be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Notice what he said. He supplies the seed and then and the bread, and now he will make that 
increase. Not only that, he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He wants you to have an even greater impact in your life. To live with open hands. To be made rich in every way so that you might be even more generous. Generous people are transformed people. Our society tells us you need to buy more, get more, whatever you have, it's not enough. And if you don't have it, just get a new card and you can make sure you get a new loan or something and you can get whatever you want. And the picture that is advertised is so appealing to us all that we are very tempted to just fall into more and more debt. It's one of the reasons people don't give as much is because they are strapped often with debt. Mike Graham one time said they're strapped with a house payment they can't afford, owe more on two cars than the cars are worth, their credit cards are at the maximum, and they are constantly carrying this burden. It robs them of the joy of giving and results in guilt and bondage. That is one of the reasons the Bible talks so much about our resources. In fact, Solomon says, don't trust in riches. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Stay out of the slavery of debt. Earn your money honestly. Spend and save wisely and give generously. Those are the basics. And we all need to hear it from time to time. And we need to be reminded of it. There's an old uh, illustration about a technique Africans use to capture monkeys. They put a banana in a small mouth jar chained to a tree. The monkey will reach in to grab the banana and he will get his hand stuck in the jar. Because he refuses to let go of the banana, he then is captured. He could have easily set himself free by simply releasing the banana, pulling his hand out, but he doesn't because he's so desirous of that banana. And friends, when people release their grip on the things of this world, they are so liberated. The reality is none of us are going to be able to buy everything we see. And so at some point, we have to learn the words of the Apostle Paul that said, I've learned to be content in every situation, whether well-fed or in, plen- or, or, or in want, whether I have plenty or whether I don't have very much at all, I have learned to be content before God. And at some point, we have to learn the value of contentment. There's nothing wrong with earning or seeking financial gain or enjoying nicer things. But so many people are enslaved by those things that they are over their heads in debt or they become workaholics. And Jesus just says something so countercultural. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He promised, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And Paul writes, God will increase the store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Now, I know, sometimes people go, well, God, I don't know. I just don't have it to give. We're strapped as it is. But they don't understand the biblical principle that we've been talking about. The passages as they say, if you give, you'll be given in return. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. It doesn't necessarily mean financial gain, but it does mean spiritual gain, emotional gain, relational blessing in your life. And God promises to take care of our physical blessings too. So the first thing I learned is that when I give, it impacts me. It makes a difference in my life. There is more impact to me personally. The second thing is giving allows the church to help more people. And I love this. God gets the credit. Verse 12 says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Our giving meets needs. We give because we generally care about those who are hungry or Those who need clothes or those who are sick and need healing or those who are hurting and being ministered to. Give because you want to see lost people saved and saved people grow. That's what the church is here to do. 
In fact, let's just do a little poll here real quick this morning. How many of you, by show of hands, have been ministered to by this church and its people, or you have grown spiritually here, or you have enjoyed relationships here? Would you just raise your hand? Me too. And right now, in another part of our building, our little elementary and preschool kids and nursery kids are being taught and reinforced that God loves them, that God is for them, and they need that message so desperately today. Look, some of you guys have been married here. Others of you have been ministered to in times of grief. Others have had marriage struggles and needed counseling. Others enjoy the fellowship that comes in the church. Many of you were saved right here in this room. Many of you have had the values uh, that you teach at home taught to your children as well and reinforced here. And the list could go on and on and on. And I'm just so thankful today for what God is doing through all of you. I heard of... uh, of a preacher one time, we got an idea of sending a lot of shoeboxes over to Bosnia, very similar to what they do uh, every year with uh, Samaritan's Purse. And so they were going to put boxes together for all these children. And other churches in his community got together and said, we would like to do the same. So much so that they gathered two semis full of shoeboxes. Semis are big. Shoeboxes are little. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of shoeboxes. And when they were brought to the children in Bosnia, here's what's important. Not only were there some needs met, but since they were given in the name of Christ, those families who received those gifts had to have their hearts softened to the Lord, and the local news media picked up on the story, and it was a positive testimony for the church and for Christian people. One of the reasons that we give through the church is that I don't want my name on a marquee. The only name that matters is the name above every name. And that's the name of Christ. So we want Christ to get the credit. We want Christ to receive the the credit for anything that's given. So that every cup of cold water that's given, it's given in Jesus' name. And one of the reasons that we give is so that needs of people are met. And so we offer this as a place of spiritual food to feed people that are starving spiritually. Where shaky marriages can be solidified and broken families can be patched up and lost people can be saved and addicted people can be freed and children can come to know the Lord. Generous giving impacts people who don't yet know Christ. Verse 13 says, because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Men will praise God for your obedience that accompanies this gospel. Notice, they'll sit up and take notice. You see, the world doesn't understand our doctrine. They may not be impressed with our programs. They may not pay attention to our music. They may, may dislike our sermons, but the world is impressed with generosity that helps hurting people. The world understands money, and when money is given sacrificially, the world sits up and take notice. And last night, One of the biggest applauses of the night was when Greater Project came and they described their ministry and what they do and how we partner with them and how we as a group last night are going to be partnering with them to help at-risk kids in our area. And when we announced, uh, when when we talk about what they do, there was a big applause. And another big applause line was when we talked about what Kyla Coffee House is doing and how we minister to people through that and how our employees don't take any tips. And, and by the end of the year, we would have raised over $20,000 for big brothers and big sisters, building blocks for kids who helps with children with special needs, and also Greater Project, who helps with at-risk kids. And the people applauded because there's something about generosity that speaks 
to the human heart. Jesus said this, they will know you are Christians by your love. That is why at Axis we lead with love. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. I was this morning driving in and listening on the radio to Ravi Zacharias preaching, and he was talking about the difference between Christianity and other world religions. And he was talking about how we earn that favor with God, and that in other religions, the way to earn favor they believe with God is to literally earn it, to work hard enough where maybe God will show and demonstrate favor. But with Christianity, it is simply the heart and the forgiveness and the grace of God that is extended to us, and that is what is given, and therefore, since we have received it, we should now give it as well. And he talked about there being a lack of forgiveness around the world, but the church should be the heart of forgiveness. It should be the one who reaches out to see the others in need and figure out ways to help those in need. Last night, Lisa Fields from Greater Project came up and shared uh, her ministry and what they're doing through Greater Project. And uh, we, of course, last night were partnering with them. We also partner with them through what's happening with Kala Coffee House. And so she came and shared her heart last night. And I took a little clip of that, about four minutes of a longer talk. And I want you to watch and hear some of her story.
I love that. Um, yeah. I love that Lisa took it upon herself to to be that someone. And I love that Axis Church is partnering with individuals like Lisa to figure out ways to build bridges with people who have great need. Uh, imagine how much more we can continue to do together uh, as we continue to give. I, I love the fact also that Lisa said that their greater project really is really a greater purpose. It's a greater purpose to help children who are at risk to understand that God has a purpose for their life, that there is a greater plan, and that there's a greater pr- purpose behind their, their very existence. That's the kind of thing that we like to be a support of because we like people to know that God loves them more than anything. The last thing is generous giving maximizes the church's influence on the culture. And how many of you know our culture needs some influence that's positive today? There is so much division. There is so much disunity. That's one of the reasons I was so moved by last night is because it demonstrated unity between people that may not naturally or normally gather together. Uh, We put questions on each table so that people would be able to answer those questions and get to know one another. The first question was, name one chore that you hate and why. I figured wherever you are from the world, everybody hates to do chores. Amen. And uh, it led all the way to the last question which was, if you could tell us something interesting about your story. In other words, it just went deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't think almost anyone in that room answered any of those questions. I had a real sense that throughout the room, no question was needed because people were just doing their own uh, fellowshipping together. And, And friends, we need to be a positive influence for good in our culture. Verse 13, the end of it says, your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. The heart of God is to impact everyone, everyone, everywhere. For God so loved the who? The world that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. The Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Our God is an everyone kind of God. And there is so much yet to be done and so much more that could be done as we continue to love and to give and to serve other people. I I was praying with our um, staff on Monday. Over the years, we've asked the question, what's next? And from time to time, we would ask that question and we would be praying about whether it be moving to a different location, you know, in the past we've done that or adding a different room or starting a coffee shop or starting some ministry or or developing a whole new venue like Project 215. And so every season along the way, we say, God, what's next? What's next? What's in line with your heart? God, what are you already doing that we can join up with? And and I don't know all of what that's going to be. But I do know that as we were praying, we really feel impressed upon that. Uh, the, the, one of the things that we've always talked about here as a church was that we wouldn't just start another venue, but we would start another church. We would start a campus of Axis Church somewhere at some time. I know there are churches that are doing that. Typically, the churches that do campus churches are churches that have five or 10,000 and say, we're going to take 1,000 people and go to another big city. Or we're going to make a big impact and a big splash there. Our model has been different. Our model is we really believe in the community church. We really believe in about 
200 to 500 people in a local area where there are relationships that are vital and real and people know each other and they're able to do a great impact in that community. And we have prayed for a while, God, where would be the next step that you would send us so that we could take a couple of our leaders so that we can rotate through our teachers. And there's a lot of how-to questions that I don't even know. And there's a lot of where questions that we're not sure about. I'm just saying as we prayed and said, God, what's next? That may be, and I know it's early, but that may be the next thing. God, how do we get into a place that maybe other churches would not go? And how can we go? Because the love of Christ compels us. We have so many people to reach with the message of salvation. We have a great task ahead of us in order to reach the world. It takes everyone working together to fulfill the mission. Because we have an every one kind of God. And we have an every one kind of mission. Steve Jobs, co-founder of Apple Computer, realized the rapid growth of his company years ago was really uh, making it necessary to hire an experienced executive who could provide overall leadership. And Jobs uh, looked through the whole countryside to say, who would be the best executive? And so he finally found and landed on John Scully from Pepsi. And he wined and dined John and tried to get him to come to Apple Computer, but he had this sick feeling in his stomach that Scully was going to say no. So he took him out a second time to an apartment that overlooked New York City. Beautiful view. Put on his best sales pitch that he could as he was trying to share with him how he could maybe be part of Apple Computer. And finally, out of exasperation, Steve Jobs looked at John Scully in the eye and he said, John, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to get involved in something that's going to change the world? And that took the wind out of John Scully and he later wrote, that that challenge motivated him to leave Pepsi and to become the leader of Apple Computer. Now let me ask you a question. What are you spending your days doing? What are you spending your life doing? There are a lot of pursuits out there. But I really believe, I believe that the church is the hope of the world. And I believe that Jesus Christ gives us a reason to live and to exist And he calls us to a great mission, and that mission is to seek and to save those that are lost and to help raise them up and grow them and lead them and be a very, very positive force for good in our world. And because of that, it's it's the thing that I invest my time, my energy, my resources toward because I believe it's the greatest calling in all the world. It's your calling as well, that we together as a church would be part of a cause that is so great that we would become all that God wants us to in this world. So what are we asking? We're asking that this week, when you receive your card in the mail, that when you would pray about that with your spouse, with your family, if you're not married, spend some time with a friend and pray. And, and, And say, God, what is one more step that I could take toward sacrifice? Is what I'm doing today all that I can do? Or can I sacrifice for the greater good? so that more people can be reached, and so that your name can be proclaimed. It's very simple, but it's going to take trust in a living God who says that because I live, you shall live also. God, we just thank you so much for giving to us. Thank you so much for being a God who gives. Thank you for the heart of this church, God, that builds bridges with people. Thank you for the leaders of karma, God, who who really had an idea that we could do something together. Thank you, God, that in the middle of all of that, we were able to proclaim your name. Thank you, God, that we were able to, to start the process of, of just continuing to, to, to have people know you and, and to know each other. And God, to let other people know that, 
that they are loved and that they're cared for. Help us to, God, always be a church that leads with love. Help us to always be a church that leads with a welcoming heart, a desire for people to come to know you, and a desire for us to get to know people as well. And God, I pray that through that you would be honored. And God, I pray that each of us in our daily lives and experiences, that we would be moved to be eyes wide open to be able to see the needs around us. And God, as we give here, I pray that it would continue to make a great impact in this community and perhaps in other communities, God. We just ask to that end in Jesus' name.